you know, one of, one of the things that I have learned is, you know, trust what you're doing and trust the strength of what you're doing. I probably early in my career got too caught up in success of those around me and, um, you know, felt that it, there was more that I, I should get. And I, I didn't give things, you know, notwithstanding where I'm at, I didn't give what I was doing the respect or credibility that it in did. hindsight it really deserved. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I am bringing on uh, just a really, really remarkable leader. Uh, Michael Morse is the senior advisor at Scotia, Scotia McLeod. He, he runs a half a billion or a $500 million uh, business that he's developed over the last 25 plus years. And um, he spent a summer working as, a, as, a, as an operator with us and then spent three years as a district manager, the second district manager working with Andrew Burtnell out in Western Canada of Student Works. And then he talks about how he started his business, the, the keys to running a successful business, um, the, the huge opportunity that he still sees in the wealth management business. And uh, I just think there are just so many, so many lessons. Uh, Michael is just an incredible uh, person of, of character, of discipline, of tenacity, um, and uh, really, really glad that we could get Michael on the program uh, to share with us. So, um, you know, I know you're going to love the, uh, the interview. I know you're going to love what, what Michael has to share. And so you know what we're up to, and that is finding amazing young leaders. So if you know any young leaders, please send them to us, uh, studentworks.com. You could shoot me an email at cthompson at studentworks.com. And you could share this podcast. So thanks so much. And uh, I really appreciate uh, you tuning in and, and wanted to speak to that as well and acknowledge you, you know, that you're, you're out listening, you're out figuring out what you can do for your future to develop your future. Have a great day. So, Michael, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. So excited to have you on. Thanks, Chris. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Michael and I are old friends. Uh, we, we worked together back in, uh, I think, the summer of 87, you know, when, when you were at Laurier. But let's think before you joined our program. You know, if you, if you can think, what were your big frustrations of as a teenager or who was Michael Morse before they got involved in at, at student works and student painters at the time? That's a good question. It's interesting. So I was always, I've had a, a bias to business, a bias to thinking about business. My whole family background, my father, now my sister and brother-in-law are all doctors. So yes. <laughs> uh, I was 
kind of the, the lone wolf, I guess, at the time. But and I, I was always interested in trying to do some things on on my own. So okay. I went to Laurier, which at the time was I would say a smaller out of the school or out of the way school, but very much interested in the business program. And one of the things that uh, really attracted me about Laurier was their co-op program. Yeah. And so I, I was at Laurier. I was involved in a quite a serious accident at the start of my university career. And it took me basically, you know, my first year to recover. I, I didn't miss a year of school, but it uh, forced me to basically be down at school in the summer and really sort of put me back uh, a year uh, or put me back some time. Right. As a consequence of that, one of the things that happened is you apply to co-op in your early in your second year. And uh, it was one of my first sort of big academic disappointments in that I wasn't accepted to the co-op program. So I had to sort of figure out some of the things that I I wanted to do. And one of the things, uh, the opportunities that came up was uh, that I joined the small business consulting service at Laurier. And it was a a service uh, run by the school, supported by uh, certain staff and we worked with small businesses in the community to consult on certain things. And uh, I did that for my second year between my second year and third year uh, for the summer. And I did that through my third year at, uh, at school. And it taught me a lot about, showed me a lot about small business and what yeah. certain people were doing. And I was introduced to uh, student works, or at the time it was uh, AAA student painters. Yeah. Uh, at the time, through a, f- uh, a couple of friends who had participated in the program, and uh, I really wanted to see uh, how things would would be trying to be an entrepreneur and doing it on my own. Right. And that's what led me to the program. Yeah, no, no. And, and well, we had a, we had a great year together. I recall it. I still recall doing first estimates with you. So it's funny. It's funny how memory works, but I, yeah, you know, I remember people and, uh, in situations, but, uh, but yeah, no. And, and I remember you very successful. So, so what do you still rely on from the program? Are there still things that you rely on, Michael? You know, it's interesting from the program, The program really taught me about small business, Mm -hmm. Uh, really taught me about being accountable and about being an operator, right? Doing something on my own. And so there, you know, there's lots of things that I recall about the program, but I would say the program itself taught me a lot about success in all other components of my career. To date, and I sort of had a a bit of a stepping stone after university to 
getting to where I'm at today. Uh, right. I've been doing what I'm doing right now for about the last 25 years. Right. But I would say my experience as an operator and then my experience, and I'm sure we'll get into this we'll get in a moment. That. Yeah, but, exactly. But my experience as a you know district manager or helping to run a division really set set the stage for understanding how to be successful in my business today. The yeah. business themselves are very different. Mm-hmm. The fundamentals of business doesn't matter what business you win. Yeah. It doesn't matter what business you're in, the fundamentals are the same. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll touch on that. So I know uh, what what Michael's talking about is Michael was the second district manager, uh, Mark Cox, who actually was on our on our podcast earlier uh, and, and has had a tremendous sales career, joined uh, Andrew Britnell when he expanded out west to Western Canada. And Michael Morse came that second year. And yeah, let's spend some time reflecting on what that experience was like establishing a business and and working with Andrew Britnell, who's who's just such a you know an icon in our industry. And uh yeah, and what you learned from from student works and being a district manager. Sure. So it was a really, you know, an, an interesting, a really interesting experience for me. Uh it was at the time Washington, Oregon. BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan. Right. Uh, it taught me a lot about the differences between Canada and the US in terms of how some people uh, viewed things and the work, work ethic of some people. Uh, it taught me a lot about understanding people, working with people, and helping to helping to motivate people. I was never a very good painter. Mm-hmm. But I really, what I really liked was uh, the leadership side in identifying good people and helping good people learn and build upon their uh, build upon their strengths. Awesome, and uh, and so so how many how many years did you spend out as a district manager in Western Canada? I was three years with Andrew at division. And we had, I don't recall the exact numbers, but we had three years of pretty good successive growth. Yes. Um, we, um, I was responsible uh, largely, uh, I, I didn't do a, a lot of work in Alberta. I was did a lot of work back and forth between British Columbia and Saskatchewan. It really helped, uh, really helped me understand the different characteristics of different regions. For sure. And uh, it helped me understand, you know, being involved in that, what motivated different people uh, right. and different people's value sets. And it was a phenomenal experience. Yeah, no, and I and I remember one fun fact as well as you were Dan Cripps, who is the the president and uh, and 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 one of the owners of of the business now in Western Canada. So so I I couldn't I couldn't pass by without without you know asking for some early reflections of Dan. Well, you know, I I actually still recall meeting Dan, and it's funny how relationships start, and it's funny how 
you meet good people. And and how we recruited Dan, uh, Andrew and I were playing football. There was yeah. a, a pickup football game, and uh, it happened to be with uh, a number of, of guys, uh, I believe, that were already working with us. Okay. And Dan joined, yeah. and we just started speaking and there was a real connection and Dan was a real, you know, the, the one thing I, I really recall, you know, coming from Toronto is there was a much more laid back atmosphere, laid back environment in, uh, in BC. And Dan had this really quiet nature about him, but a real drive to, to be successful. And, uh, you know, that was my, I guess those are my first recollections, but, you know, lots of memories of Dan's success over the years. And, yeah. uh, Dan ultimately took over from what I was doing and, you know, hasn't looked back. Yeah, no, he's done, he's done incredibly well. So, uh, but yeah, so, so, you know, you spent three years out West and then you decide to come back in, 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 uh, to, to the greater Toronto area. And, and so what were your thoughts? What were the, what was the plan, et cetera? So there, there was actually one other piece oh. while I was at West. So I, okay. I was actually at West for six years. I, I was always interested in business. I right. was always interested in, you know, different businesses and understanding business. I loved being involved as an entrepreneur, but what I, I probably, you know, the challenge I had and what I struggled with the most was I actually just was not a big fan of painting. Like right. I it just, you know, the, the painting side of it, I wanted something that was more professional, if you will, sure. in, in my career. And in hindsight, that was probably not the right way to look at it because my experience was probably the most valuable part of all my education. Right. My experience with Andrew and, and the painting business. But at the time, that was my thought process. I th by the way, I think and I think it still impacts many of our of our operators, like in not really understanding. It's so easy to sort of, well, I'm in the painting or window cleaning business, but but it's it's like, I don't know, Weston Foods is in the bread business or or you yeah, know, no. uh you know, I can't remember the big chicken company. They're just making chickens. You know, it's, 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 yeah, you know, it's, it's just the business. Yeah. You, you're absolutely right. And maturity, <laughs> I, I <ultimately laughs> recognize that, but at That's the time, a, that was, was an impact. Yeah. Uh, that was an impact. And uh, so I, I joined a business. It was called the business exchange. Uh, I was an intermediary. I, I was helping people to buy and sell businesses private. Okay. So I was largely working for business owners, owner operators who were looking at uh, retiring or realizing their investment because many operators or entrepreneurs, all of their wealth is tied up. Their personal wealth is tied up in their business. And the yes. only way for them to realize that is to sell their business. Right. And so I helped people uh, through that process. What I learned out of that was that it was very transactional. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when you work with somebody to sell their business, it's a long process. You might 
work very hard for a couple of years with them. But once it's done, there is no reason for the relationship to continue other than perhaps you becoming friends. Right. And I realized I wanted to be on the other side of that trade. I wanted to be working with people long term. And that's what ultimately led me to where I'm at today. I knew ultimately I wanted to be back in Toronto. So my next step was to uh, make a move back to Toronto to join the wealth management space. And uh, I moved back to Toronto the beginning in 1997 and uh, joined Scotia McLeod at that point. And I've been, uh, I've been with them since. Awesome. Awesome. So, because because that that was my understanding as well. Really, that was kind of in your mind was to go into wealth management. So so you felt like you know having some experience before you're looking to go and raise money and to tell people I can manage your 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 life savings. I can manage. Yeah, I know you just sold that business. I can I can manage that for you. You felt like that was important. Yes. Yeah, and I get that. Exactly and right. so. Walk me through the, you know, so, so you, you, you got, you got recruited, you, you got, you got selected. What was the selection process? What was the training process? And, and especially that, that first couple of years, because I know, I, I, sorry, I know there's a real, real fallout, you know, people cannot uh, accomplish what they're looking to do. Sure. So I, I went through the recruitment process and I met with a number of firms and I made the selection to uh, joined Scotia McLeod, which is where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. And I, I did that because I wanted to be with a uh, a bank-owned firm, but I wanted to be with a firm that was small enough uh, or that was small and nimble uh, where I could make a difference. Right. And so there was a, a fairly sophisticated, for the time, fairly sophisticated training process. Right. Uh, our training program. And it was largely technical. Right. It was largely uh, about investments and about wealth and a lot of the aspects around sort of planning and wealth management. Right. What it didn't cover a lot of is around the aspects of actually running a business right now i am an employee of a big firm right but what i do is i run my own business i run my own business within the context of a much bigger organization yeah and you're right as in many small businesses or many entrepreneurial businesses there's huge turnover yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would say more don't succeed than do succeed. Yeah. And it is not because it's a complicated business. No, no. Most businesses are not uh, super complicated. Right. But they require focus. They require discipline mm-hmm. and they require a lot of hard work. Yeah. 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 And that's, and so, so just when we get to that and, and 
you know, just, just so everyone knows I was, I was, I, I had the opportunity to help with Michael as, as an advisor on a, on a, on a early stage uh, advisory board that Michael set up with a couple other good friends. And, and so I, so I really had an inside look into what the business took. And so, so why don't you walk through, you know, just coming out of that training and how many, you know, how many calls you made and, and, and what, what it was to actually get your business to where you actually, you know, could start like making a living. Cause, cause at a certain point, I'm sure they paid you a salary, but at a certain point, the salary becomes, we're not going to keep paying you the salary, um, unless you're, you're generating enough revenue. Yeah, that, that's right. They did pay me a salary. It was not a big one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> big, big cut. <laughs> so there's, there's a pretty big incentive to not stay on salary very long. Yeah. But sure. I, you know, you go through the training, you wind up uh, in an office mm -hmm. and you have a phone and you have a computer and basically you're on your own. Right. Now, there is, a, everyone goes into a branch and, and there is a, uh, a branch manager right. and you would, you would think that it is a, a branch manager's sort of responsibility. Um, and it is to a certain degree to, to help you out, but the support or, or the guidance is by no means. And certainly in 1997 at Scotia McLeod was by no means any sort of real sales management yes. or, yeah. Uh, training support yeah. certainly not to the degree that you know what you go through it uh <laughs> student works work than, uh, <laughs> exactly. what you go through with with your uh dms and so on but the one and this is where my experience uh with student works is probably the most applicable right because it taught me about what was involved to start from zero yeah, and, and to have a plan to grow or have a, a roadmap to build something, you know, notwithstanding I'm in the wealth business. When you first start, you've got no wealth to manage. <laughs> I'm in the wealth uh, management business with no wealth. Yes, that's right. Uh, you are essentially for the first number of years, you are a sales and marketing machine. Right. And I would argue that whether it's this business or whether it's your business or whether it's, you know, any other small business, there is a certain amount of work that is required to be successful. There's a certain milestone that you have to reach there's a certain level of of things that have to be done and you can do that over a short time or you can do that over a long time <laughs> and but it, it's that that's required to get it done and and so i set some pretty you know aggressive goals for myself and i just said this is what's going to get it done and yeah. I was pretty focused. And, you know, at the time I wasn't married, I didn't have kids. Yeah. 
but it was my focus seven days a week yeah. uh, for the first year. And I know you and I joke around about this a little bit now, but you know, in my first year, I made 10,000 calls. Yeah. 10,000 uh, calls. That's great. But when you break it down, yeah. 10,000 calls is roughly 800 calls a month. Yeah. It's roughly 200 calls a week. Yeah. You know, so basically what I did is I said three days a week, I'm going to make 70 or 80 calls. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to do. And that yep. was my job. My job yep. wasn't wealth management. My job was making those calls. Yeah. Frankly, in my business today, I'm not sure making 10,000 cold calls would do it. Would be as successful. I'm not sure that's the right approach. Yeah. The reason I did that was because I felt that picking up the phone and dialing and speaking to somebody was the fastest way for me to get in front of somebody. Right. Yeah. Conceptually, it is easy to understand, you know, 10,000 calls means 800, means 200 a week, means conceptually that's easy to do. For any entrepreneur, the challenge is rejection because it is very easy to say, like, I can tell you the numbers, you know, for, for 80 calls I made, I probably got through to 30 people of those 30 people. I probably had 10 okay conversations. And of those 10 okay conversations. There were probably two people we had a meeting with. Had had some that yeah. I met with or I had some legitimate prospect with. Yes. Yeah. So uh and that was 25 years ago. Yeah. So you know, you know, today I'm not even sure the numbers would be that good. Yeah. But it is very, you know, it's one thing to be able to say, I understand those numbers. It's another thing to be able to pick up and speak to people and hear no 78 times before you hear yes twice. Exactly. Yeah. And so it is very easy for people to make excuses as to why they're not going to make the next call. Absolutely. And that is the difference between persevering through that, in my opinion, is the difference between being able to be successful or not. It's not that I am any better at buying a security or selling a security. Yeah. I, I mean, we do some very, very unique things. But yes. my point is that at the outset, it's a mental battle. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a game that you have to be committed to. And you have to continue to have reasons why you're going to keep going. Because yeah. there will be a yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, Michael, I think you're so dead on and, and, and obviously I, I knew the story. I love the story. And again, we've, we've joked about it often and it's to actually recreate yourself consistently. And it's, and it's one of those recreate yourself when there is no business I'm being paid. I know how much you're being paid 2000, 1500 a month, something, you know, really quite ridiculous. And then it's just, it's such a long slog. Day in, day out, day in, day out. 
And again, that is what it takes. And, and that's why I think a lot of times people don't want to be entrepreneurs. They don't want to be leaders. They don't want to take that on because the road is, is so long. And on the other hand, obviously, you know, right now your business is, is unbelievable and incredible and has really been for decades, you know, but it took something to get it there. And of course it takes something to do what you're doing now, of course, right. To, to have the confidence, to have the skill set, to have, you know, to show up in the right way so that you have, you know, all these incredibly successful people say, yes, Michael, please deal with our family's wealth, you know, successfully. You're right. It, it, it is two different roles. Mm-hmm. The, there is a very, very different skill set required to start a business. Yeah. Uh, than to to manage an ongoing business. And, you know, I've had to adapt over time. Uh, I've had to, you know, what got me to where I am today and the skills that I learned at, uh, you know, in in my first, you know, when I was first with you and when we first went through that summer together helped me to grow this. And I use, you know, some of those sort of entrepreneurial business building things today, but right. it is a, it is a very different skill set as, you know, as you're aware in, in running a mature business versus a startup. 100%. Yeah. But I, I continue to go back and say it was my experience in running an operation that was almost my tuition or my education to help me get to where I am today. Yeah. Because without that, I wouldn't have been able to build this. Right. Yeah. So Michael, you know, just, just for our, our, our group, um, listening, you know, uh, you're running a, a half million dollar, you know, $500 million, you know, piece of business, you know, where does that sort of come from? Who are you helping serve? You know, how, how does that work? Just to explain a little bit more about, about, you know, what you, what you're up to, what your team's up to. Sure. Um, so we run a private client wealth business. So when I say private client, I work with, uh, I work with families. I work with roughly in round numbers. Uh, we work with, uh, approximately 200 families or, you know, extension of families. And that would be a a combination of, we work still with a lot of entrepreneurs and that's really driven by my my experience and my understanding of of what I did through my career and what I did with you. Right. Uh, Interestingly, a lot of those relationships are still from the initial calls that I made. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that fantastic? Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, so we work with, uh, as I said, you know, roughly 200 families. We work with a, a lot of entrepreneurs where there are still operating businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so there w- would be corporate assets that we help to manage. Right. But it is all their personal wealth, uh, wealth as opposed to. You know, I'm not involved in any of their sort of active businesses. Right. And and what we do actually is 
you know, very similar to a lot of the work that you helped me understand when we first started together. And, and that was all around building a plan, right? Building a roadmap. Yeah. yeah. And ultimately, we work with people to help understand what their priorities are, what their objectives are, you know, today, tomorrow, for their family, for their estate. And we help to build a roadmap around uh, achieving that. So on a day-to-day basis, a lot of what we do is managing investments. But that's actually very little about what we speak to people about. Right. What we speak to people about are what are their priorities? What is it that uh, that they want to do? Some of that could be retirement. Some of that could be philanthropy. Some of that could be legacy. Yeah. And, you know, investments are one component of that, but not, you know, not the bigger picture. You know, I don't believe people wake up in the morning and say, I need to get a 5% or 10% return (laughs) on something. Yeah. People wake up in the morning and say, I want to know that I can do what I'd like to do for the rest of my life. And that's what we help them. That's what we help them do. Yeah. And so, so, so what, what's your definition of financial freedom, Michael? So I talk a lot about people or people about this and, and I would define financial freedom or financial success as being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it without having to worry about it. Exactly. I, I love it because, and I knew that, I knew he was going to say that by the way, everyone, but I just, I love it. It's just so simple, so practical. And you know, it's, it's kind of taking the money out of people's lives, right? That's what it, that's what it sounds like you've done. It's, it's, you know, it, and there people are so attached to money and so caught up with money. And it's really wonderful when money can just be the thing that helps free you, you know? And, and, and so it's like, oh, Michael's got a plan set up so that Yes, we can, you know, again, accomplish what we want, maybe helping our kids buy a home or, or being able to, you know, plan for our retirement or whatever those things are. And, and there must be a lot of real enjoyment that you feel being filled up doing the work that you do, right? And helping these families. Uh, I have developed some really meaningful, some, some great relationships with people uh, mm-hmm. and have gone through some really, you know, some emotional life circumstances for people, both positive and negative, you know, around family succession, around death, around, but around achieving certain things as well. Uh, But I really, I mean, to me, what was most important in what I do is the relationship side of it. I mean, it, it is been very financially rewarding for us Mm -hmm. or or for me but i would say uh, you know one of the things that i would sort of mention or encourage to uh, to anyone who might be listening to this is that it is very important to be engaged and have a passion for what you're doing uh if it's only about the money, it will be very difficult over the long term to be successful. Yeah. 
or to keep doing it. Yeah. It, it has to be more that engages you than just the money. Right. For sure. Um, and so what about any, you know, sort of failures or mistakes or errors that stand out? You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, again, we're talking about a long grind to find success, you know, and, and obviously a lot of success. What, what about, you know, failures, mistakes, errors? Sure. I mean, lots of, uh, lots of mistakes. And, you know, I, I talk about the successes in terms of where I'm at today, but uh, you know, there are lots of things that we tried mm-hmm. that didn't work. Right. Uh, and, you know, so one of the messages that I would say out of that is, you know, be flexible, be adaptive, be comfortable that not everything is going to work, but stay focused on the end. Right. You know, it, it took me, notwithstanding, the success we've achieved, it took me a while to get there and um, having faith that it would work and having relationships with those around me to, to continue to support and encourage me is important. If I were at, had been at another firm where it was perhaps more cutthroat, I'm not sure I would have made it because I'm not sure they would have kept me around or supported me okay, uh, to help me be successful. And so I would say that that's not so much a mistake on my end, but it's a have patience and be committed to a process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that was a really, really great learning for me. You know, mistakes along the way, I think had I, I probably could have been in the shoes that Dan is today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Had I not felt so inclined to, you know, not be comfortable with painting. Right. Okay. Because uh, Britt was just such a great mentor and such a great guy to work with. We you know, that could have been a direction that my career could have gone uh, in. Took. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I would say, you know, one of, one of the things that I, I have learned is, you know, trust what you're doing and trust the strength of what you're doing. I probably early in my career got too caught up in success of those around me and um you know felt that it there was more that i i should get and i I didn't give things you know notwithstanding where i'm at i didn't give what i was doing the respect or credibility that in hindsight it really deserved yeah, now I could, I could, I could see that. And that's, that's actually something for our leaders to take in, you know, and it's, and it's, and really as well, like I think as well, thanks for bringing that in. It was a long time before it was really apparent, you know, as well that, you know, Michael was going to be a real, real top performer. You are always a real, really, st- you know, star performer, but you know what I mean? Like a real, real elite performer in the Canadian economy. It took a long time. Right. So, so it was a, it was, you know, so, so I think one of the biggest things is, and I've always seen you have is patience, 
determiner, determination, perseverance, patience, which which has really served you and and serves, I think, everybody. But and and on that, that's I guess what I see. But what did you see as as things you needed to change about yourself or create going from that university student into the full time value creator? So one of the things that I learned early in my career is I was never great with authority. Okay. Um, I always I liked to do things on. Uh, on my own or to be in control. And so, uh, yes, I work for a big organization and I have worked for, you know, different organizations through my career, but I was, was very independent in all the roles that I've done. And notwithstanding now I work with a big organization, but you're very independent. basically run my own business in it, my own business within it. And so, you know, when I first, left university uh one of the things that i um found as you go through the recruiting process is you know it's all these big companies that come in uh and interview you right and my first uh i graduated in 89 i worked for a couple of years before i moved out west my first role was with a big company is with ncr Mm -hmm. and I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't great in a big organization. Right. Uh, And that really shaped the types of roles and, you know, my career from that point that I I knew um, I thrived on independence. I, I didn't work well within structure. It didn't work well asking somebody if I could take a day off or if I could, <laughs> yeah. you know, it just things as simple as that. Like I, I knew that I needed to, I needed some independence, but in that it's very important. If that's the case, I recognized very early on that I had to take responsibility for the direction of my career. And I had to take responsibility for things that were important to me. And I had to take responsibility for training. Right. And you referenced earlier this advisory board that I had you sit on. Right. And I created that advisory board, not because I knew you or any of the other people were experts in wealth management. No, because I certainly wasn't. (laughs) Uh, But I created that advisory board to make myself accountable to something for sure. I made, I created that advisory board to talk about things, to get feedback, to listen to people who've been successful in their space or in their fields. Yeah. But I, I did that to force accountability so that I, I had to force myself to do certain things and to be prepared. And that's what I would encourage you know, one of the things I would really encourage uh, those listening to to consider is what are your strengths? What really drives you? And what resources can you draw upon to help build upon that or to help strengthen? That? Yeah, no, and certainly accountability groups, 
you know, or, you know, that's what you established or, or, or accountability, accountability partners is something that's really, really powerful. You know, Hey, I respect these three people. I want them to respect me. I, you know, I'm going to go do this next quarter. When we get back together for breakfast or coffee or whatever it was, here's the results I made. And then understanding again, what the marketplace is, what, what, what should I be expecting? And all these different types of things. I remember the conversations. So one thing I'd be remiss, cause I'm, I'm just sure there's some leaders tuning in who are saying, Chris, Chris, you know, you've got, you've got Michael Morris on. What do you see Michael as the future of wealth advisory? You know, like, you know, you, you just talked about, you know, could it be possible for someone to go and establish a book that could become as big as yours in the way that it did? You, you know, what, what, what do you see if someone's interested in that space? Obviously there's so many changes in the wealth advisory and the wealth space. Uh, it's a great question. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to chat about that. I am number one. I think this is one of the greatest businesses in the world. And I, yes. <laughs> it, I, I, I think it continues to be, uh, right. it, it's a business that, uh, is entrepreneurial. It allows you to be as successful as you want to make uh, things or as, as you'd like to be without requiring significant capital to start a business. Right. It, so from that perspective, it is, it's a great business. Talking about the business, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that it is a very difficult business would be a very difficult business to start in today from scratch the way I mm -hmm. did. Right. I believe that teams are becoming bigger. Right. Investment teams. So my team, businesses or pr wealth practices are becoming bigger. And uh, it is very, it's very hard to grow there just through attrition or start from scratch and, yes. uh, and do that. Uh, I would encourage anybody uh, considering this and I, I would extend this offer to anybody. I'd be happy to speak with anybody who is, you know, who has a serious interest in the business or would like to talk about anything, awesome. but uh, I would suggest the way to get into this business is to become a part of a team. Okay. Got it. Uh, to learn the business and to work up through that team. Uh, you see so much more about the business and what's involved that way. And you can, can then begin to build a small business within an established business. Right. And you can begin to take, take on more responsibility that way. Okay. I'm not saying that starting from scratch is an impossibility. Right. But I do believe it is, it's a different market and it's a much harder way to get there. It will be much harder to achieve success today than it was perhaps 25 years ago when I started. Yeah. Well, one of the things I remember, there's a movie I can't remember right now, but Philadelphia Eagles, Mark Wahlberg, and they, the phone rang. And it's like when phones rang in the house, you know, back when Michael and I were, you know, high school, university, it rang and there was no answer machine and it rang and rang until someone picked the darn phone up. 
so contactability was so much easier and then it started to slow down and, you know, answer machines came in and contact, you know, and more and more people in front of the decision maker. And now it's just reaching people is just so difficult. Um, so, and I think that's, that's one of the, that's really what we're pointing to. How can I reach people out, you know, and, and, and that's why joining a team may be the, the best way. Would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned something, something else there. And it's one thing that I, I see a lot of in, uh, all of my kids and it's something I see a lot of in a, a younger generation is in this business social media and you know communication there's so many more different ways to communicate yeah the one thing that i would encourage is don't get caught up behind all of that being in front of people i believe is still important oh you bet oh yeah yeah yeah, no, and people aren't going to write you big checks, Michael, from uh, from some some direct messages and texting, right? You know, they're they're you know, and again, obviously in this COVID world, yes, you're doing Zoom meetings, but but you know, uh, you know, people people want to see the whites of your eyes and 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 have a have a you know a track record, etc. So so what about habits? What key habits would 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 our leaders want to steal from you, Michael? I would say, you know, a couple of things. And this first one may sound, uh, this first one may sound very strange, but I would say, uh, get up early. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't waste your day. Don't, I, I think, you know, just being up and ready to go early is important. Uh, yeah. the, but key habits, I would say be accountable to what you do. Mm -hmm. uh, simple things, returning calls, yeah. uh, you know, be accountable to what you do, be true to what you do, be professional. Um, and, and being professional doesn't mean having to wear a suit and tie yeah. every day. But as an entrepreneur and in my business, the most valuable asset I have is myself. Yeah. The most valuable asset I have is my reputation. And you only have one time, one opportunity ever to create a first impression. Yeah. And if you are seeing people, that means being presentable. Yeah. If you are uh, communicating with people, that means, you know, by whether it be by email or text, I would say do it professionally, type in sentences. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't use slang or short form or, or, or things like that in communication. Uh, I, I, and those are all very simple things. But Chris, I, I can't reinforce enough how, how important I think that is in creating a professional image and making a difference. Yeah. Uh, don't promise what you can't deliver. Be honest with people. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I really believe that those are really, really important uh, pieces uh, to think, uh, yeah. to success. And then the next would be 
Um, just study your trade, whatever that trade might be, and become an expert in it. Mm-hmm. And then you work hard at it, stay focused, and I believe you know success will come from there. Yeah. And one of the other things is is that you know a lot of these things are image, but really underneath it all is character right? Is, is, you know, the, the reality is Michael, you're reliable, you're trustworthy that showed up for decades. You wouldn't be accomplishing what you're accomplishing. You know, again, people wouldn't stay with you, right. You know, uh, for, for that long, unless, unless again, you know, you're dependable. So, so, so there's an image that you're speaking to and I want all our leaders to hear, right. There's the, you know, about how to, how to dress and how to speak and how to communicate. And below that, there's a character that, if it's not there, the image doesn't matter. People will eventually fall, see through it, you know, and that that's really the work, you know, always for us to do is around integrity. And, and, and you, you point to, you know, uh, you know, and I, and I know, I know, you know, you know, them is the four referability habits, right? Be on time, do what you say, finish what you start, say please. And thank you. Those things are just so core to really, really successful people. It, it just makes all the difference in the world. And I have one final question, but before I ask, is there anything else you'd like to share with our young leaders listening? The, uh, you know, it's funny, you caught me off guard with that question. I, um, I, I would say this is a great opportunity. Uh, this is a great opportunity to really test, uh, you know, as a, a test for yourself, as a test to, uh, to push yourself, I believe it will be probably the hardest thing that you've done uh, sure. to this point in your life. I remember at points in my in your career as an operator being so stressed out and being so um, anxious about things. And, you know, in hindsight, I think back of it and say, wow, it's what was I life. doing? Exactly. What was I doing? But <laughs> I wanted to buy a stereo. That was my goal, right? That was but, your goal. <laughs> but I, I, I would say um, to people, be true to yourselves, push yourself, push past your comfort zone. And at the same time, you know, there have been lots of people that have come before you in doing this. Use those resources. Use the resources of your district manager of uh, of your coworkers because right. it can really lead to great things and i you know the last thing i would say is sort of trust the process so final question when you think of a leader of tomorrow what comes to mind i would say somebody who has vision somebody who has conviction uh somebody who is not scared to uh, to push boundaries or to push the limits to not necessarily accept status quo. Uh, but I, I would also say, and you know, and I, this goes back to, uh, to my conversations with helmet back when, when I first started right. and it, it goes back to, you know, reading biographies of, of successful people and, you know, the one the one thing that I, I truly believe about leaders and success is understanding how to motivate people. 
mm-hmm. understanding how to work with people and to get the best out of people. Because I think that is something that is transferable to whatever business you're in, whether it be manufacturing cars to running a painting company to running a bank. Yeah. It is understanding the issues to being able to problem solve and work with people to get something done. Absolutely. Well, that's, no, that's great, Michael. Well, you know, first of all, Michael, I, I so appreciate your time. I know how valuable your time is in serving the uh, incredible, you know, families that you serve. So thank you for making the time for our young leaders and uh, looking forward to coming out of this pandemic. I know we've, we've made a commitment to go for dinner or, or, or something up near, uh, near where we both have a place. So, uh, so excited to go do that. And I'm glad this, uh, this kind of reconnected us again. Chris, thank you. I really enjoyed this. Okay, fantastic. Have an awesome day. Talk to you soon. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply, and I can't wait to see you on the other side.